0: When you get there to think, do I belong here? What
1: more am now, I doing? More now. I am now. totally that's
0: out of my view. But you quickly way. learn that when you start to have conversations with people, that
2: you've got something in
3: common. I to make the trails I like the idea of um, um, taking that first step, that's I am. I have this idea that the kids these days need to do X, you know, or this uh, one kid in my class can't do
0: Z, and i so much so to make sure of our
1: Welcome to Edtrex Rewind. Um, hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Edtrex podcast. This is Matt Winner, sadly no Quinn Henderson again today, uh, but we do have some wonderful guests from the Hope Street Group Teaching Fellows Program from all over the country, If you from here from Utah see some name tag. Actually, quite a few of you guys from Utah, which is great. Um, but uh, we got a couple from the, around the country as well. So we'll start over here in this corner. Just introduce yourselves. Tell us where you're from and what you teach.
4: Hey, uh, my name is Jacqueline Eckert, and I teach first and second grade in um,
0: Cedar Hills, Utah. I'm Denver Gantrell. I teach social studies in West Valley, Utah. My name is Amy Clancy. I was an ELA teacher for 18 years, and now I'm a uh, an ELA specialist for 5th through 8th grade in Walton, Kentucky. I'm
5: Kelly Gill, and I teach 2nd grade in Draper, Utah. I'm Bridget Barrows. I am Special ed Director at Pacific Heritage Academy, Utah.
1: Awesome. Well, great to have you all here. We'll start with a uh, hardball question. Uh, how do you define what is social-emotional learning? And what is the teacher's role in that, that learning process? Uh, what is the teacher's role in mental health? Anybody who wants to jump in, go for it.
0: I think socio-emotional learning enables a teacher to to understand and to see that we are made up of more than just academics. So um, understanding that there is a mental, uh, psychological, and sociological aspect to us as human beings uh, enables us to approach the entire um, aspect of that child so that we are helping them to become more successful in all aspects of their life.
3: an important piece of that is the relationships, being able to form and also navigate those. And that, that's a skill that uh, you have to practice to get better at, and a lot of times, you need some coaching and how to do that appropriately, and is a great place for that to happen.
1: Excellent. Any other responses? So let me reiterate a question here, though. Um, there's always that that line. I'm a teacher. There's that step over when do you to caregiver, and I think there's that worry of, especially for new teachers, where is that line for me? So what is that line, and what does that look like in the classroom? Where does the teacher's role as a teacher and as a teacher of social emotional learning and helping with those relationships start and end?
2: Well, i am I think that um, mostly what we're trying to address in the classroom is our problems that kids are having with anxiety and um, um, just trouble relating with other children and uh, feeling just super um, anxious and and um, uh, even in, even in the older kids, you know, there's there's issues with depression and um, other really serious issues. And so I, I think that for the in the classroom, we just need to. Um, get the components in place so that as teachers we feel that we are skilled in um, knowing how to, how to address some of these issues with the kids. And so I, I think what I would like to have is a program that would help me understand the issues themselves and, how to, and a solution, and like a, a problem-solving solution. If the child is, is doing this, then you know, these are some things that I could try. And, and to take it farther than that, I think that I would like to um, be able to just have a program that would uh, I could use throughout the day, uh, especially like in problems when uh, relationships, when uh, issues come up with conflicts, just little things that would help me just uh, to resolve to resolve that quickly and not only help me to resolve it, but also to help kids know how to resolve it amongst themselves.
5: Yeah, there, there's really no fine line on that. There's a I think to me as a teacher, there's a gray line mm. between here's where I stop as a teacher and here's where the needs of a child becomes a parental responsibility when that child is with me in a classroom. So I can't, I, I don't see a, a clean line, I see a very great line and to me responding to a child's need is more important than, than trying to see where my role as a parent starts and stops and where my role as a classroom teacher starts and stops. And that's just my personal approach to helping children learn. We need to give them that social-emotional learning so we're really going to make an impact in their learning and growing with those hours that are with us in the classroom. I think another important piece is to bear in mind that uh,
3: schools are obviously not designed to and never will take the place of parents. But while the students are in our care, you know, in local parent is in place, and we have the responsibility for the health and welfare of those students. So you know, really, it should be a partnership between schools and parents in terms of helping those children develop, because it does take a village to raise a child, and we should all be helping each other move in that direction. But recognizing that students come from different homes, from different families who have different values and backgrounds, and they have to learn how to navigate that, and that's what happens at the schools, learning how to navigate and interact and have relationships. And, and when I say relationships, I just the, the interactions with other people, not like you know some kind of Hey, let's get together, let's date. No, not that kind of relationship. Just, just navigating humanity because we have to be able to, to get along with each other in order to succeed as a society.
1: So follow up with that then, because I 100% agree with you. Um, how do you teach that then? What are the ways that you have found effective? And, and this can go out to the entire group, but it's, for me as a teacher, but also as just an individual – I feel like learning social- emotional learning and teaching it is such a sticky, difficult thing to teach. So what methods have you learned? What, what processes, projects? Um, what were some of the wins? and what were some of the losses that you guys experienced teaching this in your classroom over the years?
5: I, I think uh, standing up beginning of the gear and sending home having my own classroom values and principles and sending that home to the parents of expectations of what I would do as a teacher or what my roles are in the classroom with their child, mm-hmm. that, that helps a lot along the way so you're not, it's almost like uh, the norms of, the, of how I respond to your child, how I'm going to take care of the child, what my behavior um, strategies are in the classroom, What I do, when, when there's a behavior situation, how I deal with it, when the child gets hurt. I mean, the school should have that as a protocol to start with. But I should also have that as a classroom, these are the things that I would do. So it begins to give the parents um, expectations um, on what would happen if certain things happen with their kids. So I think that's why I would start. There's a lot of other things, and I'm gonna let my fellow teachers um, and chime in on that, but I think that's a good place to start, just having that expectation of mm-hmm. this is what I would do, this is how I would treat the child, this is how the school deals with behavior or health issues. I think that awareness and transparency would really help to begin to answer some of the questions along the, the way throughout the course of the year. But I'm going to let my, I'm sure they have a lot to say, so I'll let them chime in.
4: <laughs> I think for me, it, it's, it's not always a standalone lesson or curriculum. It's just embedded in everything that I do. Um, when students are having conversations amongst each other, you know, I stop and point out, I really love the way I saw so-and-so interact with their partner. Um, I, I noticed that you two disagreed, and I like how you kind of came to a common decision together. So a lot of times it's not an individual thing that you're doing, but necess- it's, it's woven into everything that you're doing, and you as a teacher have to bring it up to the forefront. Because I think some of these things happen naturally, um, and pointing them out to students and making them aware um, so they know what they're doing, but also so that their peers who might not have that skill or might not um, be as as versed as, as another student kind of sees, oh, I can do this, I can try this, and it just weaves it into everything so that you're um, kind of, it's always happening, it's, it's always on your
3: yeah, it shouldn't be a specific lesson. It shouldn't be a specific worksheet or assignment because that's not developing the skills.
1: We should pause here for a second. Just imagine a world where we hand a worksheet to the kids and say, this is what depression looks like. <laughs> uh, that would be a, a, a horrifying world to work yes. in. I'm sorry to interrupt.
3: You know, you're fine, but I'm sure that happens I agree. Yeah. oh, you, know, you got to teach social emotional learning. Okay, well, here's this paper, and let's fill it out, and you checked the box. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, kind of to capture what everyone's saying, I think it really boils down to the culture of your classroom. I mean, routines, procedures, expectations, that's all part of classroom management. We absolutely have to do that. But when push comes to shove, at the end of the day, or at least the first week, you need to have established, you know, how we interact with each other. What is acceptable, what's not acceptable, and why is it that way? And as you develop that and build those routines and identify those positive behaviors and reinforce them with time, over time, the students are more likely to um, internalize them and, and to develop as effective communicators and good human beings which is really what we want at the end of the day.
4: Yeah over time when your students start pointing out the things that they see that's when you realize that you've created that community and you've created that, that environment where it, it, you see a student do what you were going to say and then you're like okay now I know that we're, we're getting it.
1: That's awesome and isn't that what we want to see across the curriculum? I mean it's not just with social and mo- emotional learning it's like if the kid can understand math, they want to be able to teach it to another kid as well. That's great. Um, so one of the big questions I have, I'm, I'm secondary ed. Um, how many of you guys are elementary ed? Who's elementary ed? Oh, great. So it's more than half the group. It's fantastic. Um, in my area, and you guys can probably attest to this as well, we get a lot of suicide prevention, a lot of bullying prevention. Um, those are big issues in the, the, the 7-12 range. What are the mental health issues facing kindergartens or kindergarten to K-6 students? And what should be teaching them early to help them be more prepared for social-emotional learning later in their lives? Yes, sir?
4: I think a lot goes back to those relationships among peers. I think that for kindergartners and, and first graders and second graders, figuring out how to navigate those relationships um, and how to navigate those feelings um, a lot of times in first grade, you know, somebody didn't want to play with me on the playground. Okay, well, what do we do with that feeling, and how do we react to that? Mm-hmm. Um, and building that so that when they become junior high and high school students, that, you know, they, they understand how to navigate those relationships, and, you know, obviously it's not going to solve everything, but, but figuring that out earlier and figuring out how to deal with that and how to deal with rejection, not everybody's going to be your friend, and, and that's Okay. You know, that's okay that not everybody's gonna be your friend. Sometimes people are gonna be rude. It's okay, you know. We I had a conversation with one of my students and, you know, somebody butt her in line. How dare they butt her in line? She was, you know, just so upset about it and I said, you know and you know, she running to tell me, you know, how you know, how dare they? And I said, You know what? Somebody was really rude to me in the grocery store the other day. And I had nobody that I could run and tell tell on them. I said, But you know what I just thought in my head was really rude, but I'm just going to move on, so sometimes it's just figuring out how to deal with those um, upsetting things, and those things that, um, you know, when you, when you figure that out as a young child, you know, it just helps, and we kind of talked about that, this all starts when you're younger, you can't, you can't teach a a fifth or sixth grader how to, how to deal with some of these things sometimes, you've got to start earlier, otherwise you're, you're behind and Jackie, that's, um, that's what we're talking about, kids that don't have issues. Now, we have,
5: from a special ed point of view, we have kids who are being diagnosed with ADHD, um, you name it, you know, autism as young as kindergarten, and those affect behavior, affects how they behave in the school system. So I think what you're saying really, really helps with, with uh, a kid who's not soft, who hasn't been diagnosed yet. I think
4: it should have a strategy, though. I mean, yeah. our kids should have a strategy.
5: They should, but I'm saying... There, I mean, it would definitely help, but you have to remember this kid might have just more than, hey, somebody better in mine, and, and I'm upset. There might be other mental health things that this kid needs to deal with, and that might not, on that level, might not really help. Uh, maybe we should talk about what would help the situation if you don't know that a kid isn't diagnosed, because sometimes you don't know, you know, and um, parents don't know. I had a teacher who was really mad at me the other day because I got this kid's file late, and she did not know this kid had issues. I did not know either, and that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. The system needs to be a little more transparent, so we know what what, what kids we're getting and what issues we're going to be dealing with. I mean, what you're saying definitely helps. but well, in the back of my mind, as a special teacher, I want to make sure that teachers are aware that some of the kids, not just somebody butted in line and I'm upset. There might be a lot more other mental health issues related to now I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to go hurt somebody because somebody butted in line in front of me and so just think about that how do we help kids like that you know and i think that's a big issue
0: too that that we see in kentucky is that a lot of times uh, we have a lot of um, students move around a lot from school to school and so when those students come into our classroom you know we don't know who they are or what or what they're about and uh, that is something that needs to improve in education there's got to be some kind of a way that we can communicate across states or within the state so that we know that if Johnny's coming to us and you know he's um, uh, we've got a couple of young children in our school that claim to hear voices and they are they have to leave and, and for a set amount of time away from our school and then come back and how do we deal with that? Yes. You know how how are those teachers helping those kids keep up and making them feel included in a part of that family and ultimately you know um, it's a challenge yes. if we don't have the information exactly then it's hard for us to do what we are supposed to exactly do.
3: the thing we have to keep in mind though is FERPA I mean mm-hmm. privacy right. act and, and rights yes. to privacy are, are very real and they're legislated for reasons and right. that's because in the past there's been times when that's been abused yeah and so we yes. have to respect family and student privacy as well and right. so balancing that is, is very tricky Yep, and, and again not to
5: stay away from Matt's um, question again please stay um, away from the it. school <laughs> so again um, every every teacher from a state point of view every teacher that, that has a child has a right to know information about that child that will help the teacher, be able to educate that child. So yeah, FERPA is a good thing that's been put in place by the government, but if I'm going to have expect you to work with one of my very troubled kids who's going to pick up a chair and throw it at you, you need to know right, that this kid is going to do this at certain time. So yeah, am I going to go tell someone else who doesn't work with that kid? Probably not. But the person who works with that child has the right to know everything there is and in fact, as for the file especially um, ed file for that kid, as soon as you hear that this kid has issues, you have the right to ask for the file, the individual education plan file, and look through it and study it and know what you're dealing with. Because in the long run, it's going to help you understand that child better. It's going to help you deal with a moment when that child is having a tantrum or throwing fits to know that, won't know where this kid is coming from. And in that instance, it might not just be, oh, I know I had a situation, this is how it, I helped it. You know there's real problems behind this kid and you know, you can approach that. So FERPA is real, but if you're working with a child, you have every right to know what kind of a child you're working with and you ask and request for that file.
3: That's absolutely yeah. true. It just, it's just tricky at the secondary level because it's not at all uncommon for us to have more than 200 students. And so when all we start out with is a list of names and then, you know, the first couple of days of school, we're just trying to put names with faces in, in places. You know sometimes it takes a couple of weeks for us to figure out that students have issues to know to even ask and by that time you know we're already a little bit behind the power curve in, in terms
5: of establishing specific routines. It's a challenge. It's happened to me a few times it was almost halfway through the school year before I knew a child had a fire. Oh, and so then I student, I
3: mean, They switch classes yeah. they switch classes in the middle of so the year true. so it's, it's just so transparency. It's an ongoing challenge that is something that we're continuing to try to work, work on okay. but it's
1: important that we recognize that it is being worked on yes. Absolutely. and that students have an adult or someone in their lives to go to and talk about these issues um if you haven't seen it yet the great documentary about fred rogers mr rogers it's on my list. that's it's yeah. really good um there's an article recently put out about how he would translate he was so meticulous about the language in his shows that he would go through a series of steps to make sure that the sentence that he was saying actually conveyed to the student, or the kid, the child, exactly what it needed to be said. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so important about talking about cell and talking about mental health with students is that we need to give them a space to actually be able to say what they need to say and give them a voice on what's going on. And with that, sadly, we are out of time, guys. So let's start over here with Bridget. Tell us where we can find you out on the internets.
5: F-A-M.
1: That's my Twitter handle, yeah. On Twitter? Yes. Awesome, okay. I'm
2: Kelly Gill um, at
5: hsgfellow.com. Okay. Or it's,
0: it's not work. It's not work. It's not work. It's not media tape thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm A-D- thinking of my At a Cody plan at Miss one on
4: Twitter.
1: Uh, at Ms. sticker with three S's. That's awesome. And I'm Teacher Winners on uh, on uh, the internets on, on Twitter. Wow. I'm, my brain's on Fred Rogers right now still. Like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm Fred, so excited. Thank you so much for coming today, guys. I really appreciate your time. I wish we had more time to, to work through it, but come back soon we'll talk again. Thank you.